I'm up here on West 116th Street in Little Senegal in Harlem in Upper Manhattan and we're looking for Senegalese and Murid merchants. My producer Carmen and I didn't have to look far to find any Murids, followers of a Muslim order founded by a Senegalese cleric named Sheikh Bamba at the turn of the 20th century. The Murids are known for their entrepreneurial spirit and high level of mobility. I'm at a market now that kind of resembles one of those pop-up Christmas markets full of African merchants selling things like clothes or jewelry and going to try to find someone who will talk to us about their, their journey from Africa to here. I wanted to see what was behind their stories. How is their faith connected to their businesses? What brought them here from Africa? Hi, how are you? Sorry to bother you. Um, we're doing a project on Senegalese uh, merchants uh, in this area. Would you? Huh? We're doing a project on Senegalese merchants in the area. Emergency Senegalese for what? We're doing a story on the Murid, the Muridia. Are you by any chance uh, a Murid? Murid? Yeah. The talk to you, this guy. This guy? Yeah. Hi. I'm Will. We're just doing a piece on the Moridia and just looking to sort of interview some people in the area. Would you be willing to take a few minutes to talk to me about it? No, I didn't have time for this. No. They seemed reluctant to talk to two graduate students that were mysteriously asking them what country they came from on a Thursday afternoon. We were hopeful that Carmen's French speaking would be the key to unlocking a story behind one of these Marids. Still, no luck. Sorry? Did he, um... Oui. Tu donc tu veux tu n'étais pas disponible pour nous parler? Non. Okay. But even better, I was able to talk to someone who's written about the Marids, their history, what makes them unique, how their faith plays a central role in their lives, and how this adds to the typical analyses of migratory behavior and development. You're listening to the Success Project podcast series. The NYU Development Research Institute, DRI, was founded by William Easterly and Yao Nyarko. DRI, understanding the barriers to growth and development. I'm Will Comperl, and here to talk with me today is Sheikh Anta Babu of the University of Pennsylvania and author of the paper, The Murid Ethic and the Spirit of Entrepreneurship, Faith, Business, and Mobility Among Murid immigrants in Gabon. Thank you for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. So your paper focuses on the Muridia, an order started around the turn of the 20th century and made up of followers of the Senegalese Muslim cleric Sheikh Ahmadou Bamba. You argue that these Murid people are exceptionally mobile and entrepreneurial and that these traits are strongly guided by their faith. So what makes the Murid history so important and why is their story something that gives us a new insight into development? Well, the Murid history is important, uh, well, if you look at in demographic terms, uh, over 4 million Senegalese are Murid. And one, what makes the Murid really interesting is that it's an organization that was born in the late 19th century at a time when Senegal was under a French conquest and colonial rule. And Amadou Bamba, in some ways, had a response to French colonial uh, conquest and domination that was quite different from traditional Muslim way of responding to those events. He did not call for jihad of the sword. He called for what he called jihad of the soul, that instead of fighting the French with violence, uh, Muslims should return, check their own soul, uh, purified and turn to build a relationship with God. 
uh, and his idea was the most efficient weapon to fight the French was in some way cultural autonomy and economic uh, self-sufficiency. That if you realize that, then you will be a good place to be successful. Because he understood, uh, probably, and the French certainly understood, that the most efficient way of returning a French cultural imperialism was to develop a counterculture. And what Ahmed Obama was, that did was to develop a counterculture that in some ways preserved Islamic identity and culture in a way that did not create conflict with the French, but also helped Senegalese maintain their identity. So the Muridia then became really a magnet for people. People started to congregate around him, although he did not himself call people to come to him. But people saw him as really the response, the, effic- the, the efficacious response to actually French colonial rule. And uh, he was himself arrested, although he uh, was a non-violent uh, leader of Islam. He was arrested, sent to exile. I talk about the exile in my paper. He returned back to Senegal after seven years exile in Gabon. Was was also uh, sent to Mauritania for four years, then under house arrest in Senegal until he, his death in 1927. And his legacy continued to be extremely important and to be quite inspirational for Senegalese uh, in Senegal and around the world. So one of the most interesting things I found about reading your paper, I think there, there are two things that you emphasize. One is the mobility, and then the other is the, the work ethic that oh. the descendants get from Bamba. Oh. So to start with that mobility aspect, um, the Murid are, the, there are people that migrate a lot. Oh. And a lot of times when economists try to explain migration, it's through... Um, the, the most powerful explanation is through higher wages, but mm-hmm. the, the Murid have a slightly different story. So how how do you think the faith uh, explanation is actually a really important driver of, of this mobility? Yes, I think if, if you look at Murid migration through classical theories of migration, you see a disconnect. Mur- those Murids who first migrated were not the poorest. Uh, they were among the well-offs, actually skilled artisans and labor, later on traders uh, and entrepreneurs. So those who are not the, 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 the poorest of the poor, as you would think, for example, in a kind of conceptual understanding such as the push-pull theory. So as I argued in my paper, you cannot really capture the essence of murid migration looking at supply and demand in terms of labor. So then we have to look for other explanation. And one of the arguments that I make is that there is what you might call a migratory culture, a culture of migration that is best understood uh, through historical, through the historical concept and through, in some ways, the understanding of, of Murid belief. As I try to explain in the paper, Amadou Bamba Zorimabai himself, he never stayed in a, since his birth in 1853 to his death in 1927. He never stayed in a, pla- in a place for more than 10 years. Sometimes he moved willingly. Other time he was forced to move. It was involuntary movement. Uh, but what the Murid say is the value uh, that is tied to that mobility. And they tied also to the, uh, to the role of mobility in Islam itself. And as I try to explain in the paper, you know, Islam was a religion founded by traders and nomads. 
and traders and nomads are people who move a lot. Um, Islam also uh, value migration. Uh, Prophet Muhammad migrated from Mecca to Medina, uh, which uh, saved Islam as we know it today. The pilgrimage, the pilgrimage to Mecca is also a Muslim canonical tradition that historically have linked Muslims from different lands since the 7th century. And you also have the idea of migration for the sake of knowledge. That Islam encouraged people to migrate for, for sake of knowledge. So in Islam itself, you have an ethic of mobility that is rooted in belief and rooted in history. If you look at Ahmadu Bamba's tradition, you see the same thing. This is the man who all his time have been moving around, you know, sometimes voluntarily, sometimes he was forced to migrate, but he also see value in those movements. It's, you know, Sufi call themselves seekers, and seekers are people who move around, who seek. In the search for God, you have a spiritual dimension of it, but you have also a spatial dimension of it. So I think those, that history that I was talking about, uh, and uh, the belief in some way played a role in, in modern mobility. And something your, your paper mentions is how Bamba made the journey from Senegal to Gabon. Mm -hmm. And those, that's a, a few thousand miles away. Mm -hmm. Very, very trying, long journey. Mm -hmm. But along that path, Bamba's descendants have sort of set up, mm -hmm. you know, they followed that path. Clearly, mm -hmm. it's very important to them. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because it, it shows how strong um, this this leader's life, this his spiritual journey can be the, to the descendants. And it's not just an economic story, as mm -hmm. a lot of my migration explanations are. Exactly. Well, it, it's it's not only his descendant, but followers. It's not only his descendants, but his disciple too. And this type, these disciples actually are even more motivated in following his footprints and bodily prints, as I call it in the paper. So his journey to Gabon, which happened between 1895 and 1912, uh, 1902, really became an inspiration for Murid. I'm not arguing that Murid went there for that only. What I'm arguing is that when Murid started to go to Gabon in greater numbers in 1965, they actually tried to trace Ahmad Bambo's footsteps. And they tried to, local, to localize places that he stayed. And once they did, they tried to memorize, to memorize, uh, memorialize those. And whenever they could buy those places and own it, they would buy it and own it. Uh, for them, the journey of Amadou Bamba was, was quite important to memorialize. And one thing that I also said uh, in related to this is that in some ways, the Amadou Bamba himself became some sort of symbol that erased space and time and tie the holy city of Tuba in Senegal or the country of Senegal to the country of Gabon. And this, even before Murid started to go to Gabon in the 1960s, there have always been that kind of emotional connection. These countries are located 2,000 miles away, uh, 2,000 kilometers something away. But the kind of emotional continuity and emotional bond between these two have been still there. So in 1965, what you have now is people having really the opportunity to turn those ordinary places for Gabonese into extraordinary places for Murid. And the way of turning those ordinary places into extraordinary space was to memorialize them. One way of memorializing it was to build a mosque on the sacred mountain where people say Amadou Bamba actually stayed, prayed, and so forth. So they turned it into a mosque that cost them $2 million. They 
try to find the place where they said he was kept under house arrest and where he used to bury his money because the French used to pay him 10 francs uh, per month as pension. He used to bury that money because he did not want to, uh, to use French money. So the Murid see that place, which has become now the financial district of Gabon, they see the link between Amadou Bamba burying the money and what that place had become now, where you have the French minister, the Gabonese minister of finance, the office of treasury, and a couple of banks. They see that that history that happened in, the eight, in 1895 is still continuing and is still shaping the space in, 19, in 2015. It, it's, it's a very powerful idea that he buries his stipend because he doesn't use it, and then eventually it, it grows in the financial center of, of this of yeah. city. It's yeah, it's I mean, pretty powerful. Yeah, the metaphor for me is that Bamba was sowing money in 1895. That money has germinated now in 2015, and Muri would like to harvest that money. One way of harvesting that money is to have their own art market there in Gabon, a piece of real estate that they own. The deed is on the name of the Murid, and the vindication also on the French, who isolated them there, expecting maybe that he will die because somebody from Sahel, where you have, don't have rain, if you take him in the equatorial forest, where you have nine months of rain a year of per year, you believe that maybe he might just pass. Uh, so I want to build, uh, uh, elaborate more on that that entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. um, the the value of work. So a quote that I thought was was pretty, it's not vague about what it means. Um, that Bamba said, work as if you will never leave this world and pray as if you knew that you will die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I know that, that work, you mentioned in your paper, that um, that can be interpreted as service, like there, there are a lot of different meanings for work, but talk a little bit more about how central this sanctification of work was to the Marids and how that, um, that became a part of the reality, and especially um, something that was mentioned at our annual conference yesterday was how predominant actually the Murids are as merchants, even in a city like New York. You don't have to go far from our DRI offices here to find Murids. So how, how strong is that work ethic, that idea of entrepreneurial spirit and, and, and work to the Murids? It's really strong. Uh, and scholar who studied the Muridia would argue that the most distinctive aspect of the most salient innovation brought by the Muridia in the understanding of Sufi Islam is that focus on work, the work ethic. Of course, Hamad Bambu called it khidma or service, but whether it's a khidma or something else, what work does is that it produces wealth. Whether it's your intention or not, it produces wealth. Yes, and I think that, that, that understanding of the centrality of work and its religious and spiritual meaning uh, has been a powerful driving force behind the Murid tra- trade diaspora around the world. Because these Murid, they look, they, they believe that Ahmad Bamba's prayers have been accepted in God, by God. But now, for that acceptance to be manifested into reality, to be tangible, you have to have evidence of that. That evidence is the Murid's own economic achievement. So that every Murid see it as his duty and responsibility to be a witness to God's acceptance of Amadou Bamba's prayers. And how do you make it tangible? Success. You work hard and you generate resources. And this is the evidence that those prayers that Amadou Bamba made when he was in the ocean in Gabon are still working. He's no longer around, but his prayers are still working. And the way to make that work manifest is for Murid to be successful. And the way to be successful is to work, to work hard and to produce wealth. 
So you, you talk you talk earlier about Muri disciple uh, being visible in New York City. Uh, you know, they started to come here in the 1980s. As I show in my paper, they started around West Africa and then they moved to Central Africa and then they from Central Africa. Many of them step migrated to Europe, France, because you have the connection. Senegal being a former colony of France. But then what is really interesting here is that when you look at migration and you look at the literature on migration, the emphasis is in these old connections. People would say, okay, when people from third world countries migrate into the West, most of the time the colonial connection play a major role. Let's say Nigerian would go to London, Ghanaian would go to London because of the connection between Great Britain and those countries. They will say, well, Senegalese and people from the Ivory Coast and from French, French countries would go, French, former French colonies would go to France. The Murid, when they started to have problem in France, they went to Italy. It was really counterintuitive. And people said, well, why are they going to Italy? Italy has no connection with Senegal. Italy has no history of migration or if in migration. Well, it has a history of out-migration. We know about uh, Italian migration in the United States and before then and after then uh, Italian migration across Europe, including France and so forth. And the idea became, how come did they come to Italy? Because there is no historic connection between Italy and, and, and Senegal. And then Italy itself is not really a country that have a tra tradition of accepting immigrants. But you have to move back to those ideas we talked about earlier the idea of mobility rooted in belief and spirit, the idea of seeing themselves as the witnesses, as the people that really have to prove in tangible form that Amaru Bamba's prayer and charisma is still working. I think those force bring the Muridia and the Murid to do things that in some ways might seem unusual and counterintuitive. They just defy classical economic theorizing and understanding of migration. So we can see this evidence of, of their mobile spirit and their entrepreneurial spirit, but as a as a people always on the move, they still, wherever they went, they have these support systems. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that shows that still their faith or the fact that they feel like they belong to a group is, is keeping them together and is like a, is a really important part mm -hmm. of, uh, of, of their lifestyle. So could you talk more about the, uh, the Dahiras and the mm -hmm. Sandagas? Yes, the Dahiras really are, are the key network that allow this migratory wave to exist and to be sustainable. Uh, Daira were created in Senegal at the Sandaga market in the 1940s. Uh, it is a religious institution because what it does is to allow murids from uh, a, 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 a city, uh, from uh, their workplace and from other places to meet, to congregate sometime on a weekly basis, sometime on a monthly basis, uh, to read the Quran, to read Amadou Bamba's uh, sacred poetry, to sing it, because what the Murid, uh, Amadou Bamba was a prolific writer. He wrote a lot, and he wrote mostly in, in, in poetry form. So, and then uh, they contribute some money um, to upkeep the community and to uh, mostly bury dead people, because Murid don't want to be buried uh, outside of, they have their own necropolis, which is the city of Tuba is also a necropolis, and they want when they die to be buried there, so that this diary serves that. But what is interesting in the day with the diary, it, it quickly takes also an economic form, meaning uh, beyond just being a, a spiritual institution, where people go for spiritual enlightenment and, and, and other spiritual needs, it also started to cater to the needs of the traders. Uh, for example, uh, sharing information about where to go, uh, what to sell, uh, providing shelter 
remember the murid were until really the Second World War, mostly an organization of farmers, of pioneer farmers. So urban-rural migration, uh, rural-urban migration brought a lot of murid in the cities. And the Dahira turned into a, a crucible for socializing those people, you know, finding shelter for people, uh, providing startup money for traders, um, when uh, providing scarce information, what sell well, where can you sell it, where can you find a wholesalers to do that, and especially where you find murid wholesalers that can be uh, that can be helpful for your business. And when murid started to move abroad, the diary really become the channel that funnel funnel them abroad. Some people would get money from it, or they would raise money from their own families. But once you get abroad, uh, and the murid that I have interviewed across uh, over time, the 20 years that I have been doing research on the muridia, they will tell you when we arrive in a city, the first thing we ask is where is the murid dahira? And that's that's a really interesting contrast to some of the other topics that we that we talk about um, in this podcast series or um, in the Success Project, where the identity of your ancestors may be like a, an abstract conceptual thing that you're not always in touch with or aware of, but but the the murids are really aware of this identity. Their their faith is really is really driving them in a, in a very explicit way. So you have these institutions, but then also you have pictures of Bamba around all of these merchant shops. Like it, it's very much a part of of their absolutely. It, it's the picture of Bamba is found is found everywhere. It's identity marker, but also talisman. You know, it's it really showcases you as the murid and open up your shop or your house or whatever to uh, 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 Murid brothers. But it's also, it's also talisman. Some people believe that it brings good fortune. Having Bamba's pictures, having the pictures of the Mosque of Tuba, uh, having the pictures of sheikhs, Bamba's sons and grandsons, uh, and naming your place actually after Bamba's cities and Murid cities in Senegal, whether it's the name Tuba, which is the Murid holy city, or Dar es Salaam, the first city, the first village Ahmadou Bamba founded, and many, many other names of cities that Major Murid Sheikh founded. People believe that having those names, having those pictures, not only mark you as the Murid, but also bring, bring good fortune. What do you think is the most important thing for, for people to take away from your paper or from the story of the Murids overall? Well, I, what I would like people to take away from my paper is when you uh, write about the history of a people that you really pay uh, closer attention to what they have to say and take it seriously. I think for a, f for a long time, scholars have been relying on these all-encompassing theories. Uh, most of them developed in the context of the West and which are applied to peoples around the world that don't have that history. Well, I'm, I'm not saying uh, that it's not helpful to do that, but I think it's very important to look at this historical moment uh, from within, what I call doing history from within. That is really, I mean, uh, talking to those people, uh, hearing what they say and take it seriously. My guest today has been Sheikh Anta Bambu. Thank you, Sheikh, for coming on the program. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This episode of The Success Project was recorded in New York, New York, hosted by Will Compernal and produced by Carmen Cuesta Visit nyudri.org to read Shake's paper, listen to more episodes in our series, and learn more about The Success Project. This project was made possible through the support of a grant from the John Templeton Foundation. 
The opinions expressed in this publication are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the John Templeton Foundation. Thank you.